are you? Good. Good to see you. It, oh, it's wonderful to see you. I, I just want to be on record that I pushed the record button so that so that I would not have a 45 minute conversation with you that didn't uh, <laughs> didn't last into eternity. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> oh, let's let's start with what's your best I forgot to hit record story over your career. Oh, there's I, I'm there's probably lots of those, but um you know, going back um, <clears throat> to way early in my career, uh, when I was um, shooting film, um, I was working with Kathy Smith and we were doing a interview, gosh, I forget who it was with, somebody really important, you know? <laughs> And, of course, and uh, <clears throat> and I was shooting with the old Oricon camera, which was um, it was a it was a beast of a camera, um, and uh, it had a you know I had a, a a shoulder brace and had the big amplifier in the front and the battery in the back, and it was just this big hunking thing, and. Um, uh, we went in, set up, you know, set up the lights, tripod, got this whole thing put together on, on the tripod. And we start the interview and my camera is just making this God awful sound. She's like, <laughs> you know, and I, and you know, I'm, 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 I'm pretty new at the job, you know, so I'm trying to impress everybody, you know, sure. uh, and uh, and especially Kathy Smith, you know, um, and uh, you know, but I'm I'm just like holy crap, you know. And so after maybe a minute of this, I turned to her and I go, "Is my camera as loud as I think it is?" And she went, "Yeah, it's pretty loud." And I said, "Okay, well, hang on." So we stopped the interview and I opened up the the camera door. And I realized what I had done is I had put the film um, on the camera, but I forgot to thread it. And it was just going from one side of the uh, cartridge to the other side, you know, you know, just and not going through the camera. And I was like, so, oh my God, you know, and I was so embarrassed. I went, I, you know, that I had forgotten to do that. I didn't admit that that's what I had done. I just went, I need to get another, you know, film cartridge. <laughs> so I went out to the car <laughs> and got another one rather than admit that, you know, I had screwed up, you know, so, <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm sure there was a, a lot of those. Uh, kind of uh, I, I was just thinking as you described that uh, old timey uh, film camera, that your your career spanned so many years that you went from that to I mean all the the video cameras with the umbilical cords to a deck and and now you know and yeah. then the, just the over shoulder and and now you could pretty much do your job with this. Oh my God, yes, <laughs> and it's so much better than anything I ever used in my career. You know, <laughs> yeah, I know oh. it's it really is crazy because I went from that Oricon to a CP16 camera, which was a very small, compact camera that was uh, just really, the, it was to this day, the easiest camera to, to operate for news. You know, mm -hmm. you could run and jump with that thing. You could, you know, I mean, it was crazy. It was the, it was the PF flyers of cameras for news. <laughs> yes, yes, it was. And then we went from that to, um, I was working at Channel 2 at the time. We went to this HL35 camera at Kagami, and it had a 35-pound backpack that you wore, and then the camera, which started here and went out, so it was front heavy, you, know, you had to hold it up. Um, it was so heavy that they actually had a belt with a little stick that went up to hold the front of the camera so you were like yeah. walking around with this thing like this like you're and you're, then you're, a, you're a back brace 
Yeah, yeah. Then you had the deck, and then you had the batteries to operate all that stuff, and it was a lot of weight. It's amazing that you guys can still that you guys can still walk. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, I I do have a curved spine from all of that. Yeah. But um, one of my favorite stories about that was um, that was one of the very first, if not the very first. ENG camera in Portland. Video, right? Yes, video camera. And um, and it was like the first day or maybe the second day we had it, I was sent out to the airport uh, to get somebody coming in on, the, on some flight. And, and in those days, you know, we could all go right out to the gate, you know. The good old uh, days before terrorism. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> And uh, so, uh, you know, here I come down, you know, down the concourse, you know, with this thing. And there's all the other crews are there and radio people and, and uh, newspaper people. And they see me coming and most of them have <clears throat> never seen an ENG camera before. Mm-hmm. And they were like really curious. Hey, how's this thing work? And what do you do? And what happens if you push that button? And but yeah. And so I'm like giving a little demo there as we're waiting for the plane to come in. And so I I say, well, here's how it works. And I turn it on, and there's this little puff of smoke <laughs> <laughs> comes out of the camera, and it goes, okay, I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> gotta go get the backup. And that was it, you know. <laughs> Oh man, I think I started. Well, I started my internship in '82. Uh, all the Channel Eight guys uh, that were shooting had uh, RCA TKs, I believe they were. Yeah. Uh, and, and I remember, like, we got a couple of Ikigami video cameras, and they were the. Everybody was all jealous of that kind of stuff, and yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, you know, every two or three years we would upgrade the equipment, and you know. Eventually, the Ikigami was just a piece of junk. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas yeah, it, three years it, ago, it was a Cadillac. <laughs> yeah, it didn't take long for the uh, the the really popular cameras to become the re- the real dogs. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I wonder if you uh, waited around in any of the archives in the basements of those buildings, you could find any of those old cameras sitting around. Oh, yeah, on, I don't you know. Just, I, just in case. Yeah, I think uh, I remember throwing some of those things in the garbage, you know. And, uh, yeah, I was, yeah, I don't know. And they, you know, those were expensive cameras. Oh, you know? yeah, I, th- I thought some, when I was first starting the Ikigami, somebody said, you know, they cost 30000 and something dollars per camera. Yeah, it was 30000 for the camera and 30000 for the lens. You know? Yeah, so, I mean, that was more than the first house I bought. Pardon? That was more than the first house that I bought. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and and had a thirty-year mortgage on. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so uh, I met you when I uh, first started as an intern at KGW, which was the summer of nineteen eighty-two. I think I probably went out on a story with you within the first couple of days. And uh, you you had come from K two, I guess, almost recently. K two was your first uh, photographer job in Portland. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I. My career is um, full of missteps and misunderstandings because um, uh, I, I, you know, I actually, well, I didn't actually start studying to work in TV until I was working in TV. Um, All of us. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I went to Clackamas Community College and took some television courses because I was working at, uh, at that time, it was OEPBS, but it was, you know, OPB now. Um, And I had, you know, some friend of mine had, was working there and said, hey, they need volunteers here. And so I started volunteering in the studio and, uh, you know, running camera and floor directing and that sort of stuff. And then, and then, uh, you know, they thought I was somebody else and they accidentally hired me in master control. Uh, and which was a painting <laughs> job. So I was pretty excited about that. But well, did guess, the paycheck I, come to some other guy's name? <laughs> yeah. No, I had to, I had to straighten him out on that. I went, no, you spell my name this way. You know? 
I'm not qualified, but yeah. When they found out that they had made a mistake, I had to do some quick talking to uh, convince them <laughs> that I could do the job. Although I had no idea, you know, what I was doing at first. And um, so I worked there for a few, couple of years, and then um, I thought, well, you know, this is this is great. I, you know, maybe I could actually do this for a living because I'd never even thought about working in TV for a living, you know. Uh, and so, um, uh, you know, and since I was working down in engineering, I needed a first class FCC license, you know, so yeah. I, I did all my studying and got that. Um, and so as soon as I, I got my uh, license, I quit school and uh, and that ended my job because I'd been hired as a student, as it turned out, you know. <laughs> and so, so then I went around and I was looking for a job and I ended up getting a job at KGON and KYXI as a maintenance engineer. And, um, and, and I wasn't very good at that. Um, and then a friend of mine who worked at Channel 2 as a producer director said, hey, they need a film editor in the newsroom. You ought to come on over. And I went, I know no, nothing about editing film. And he went, oh, you can do it, it's easy, you know. And I went, oh man. So I put on the closest thing I had to a suit at the time, you know, and, <laughs> and um, went in and, uh, and my friend had, who worked there had already greased the skids for me with the news director. And so the news director said, uh, yeah, I understand you know how to, you know, edit film and, uh, do you know how to do an AD sync roll? And I had no idea what he had just asked me, you know? <laughs> and I said, well, I've never done one, but I know the theory behind it, you know? <laughs> I, I ran back to OPB after the interview and, and, they, and he hired me, he hired me, but I ran back to OPB and I ran up to the film department. I said, tell me everything you know about film. <laughs> oh, I got, a good, I got a good line you could have used on him. You should have said, Oh yeah, the AB. You mean the Johnson Smith theory of AB circles, uh, <laughs> or or do you do you want the Berlin uh, uh, Budapest? You know, because yeah. they both have their they both have their merits. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But with 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 my luck, he would ask me what the difference is. <laughs> oh, you're already halfway down the rabbit hole. You could have talked your way out of that. <laughs> so yeah. I'm guessing then. Uh, I mean, I'm going to praise your photography and your shooting skills, you know, for the next 40 minutes, but I'm guessing that uh, starting as an editor uh, yeah. shaped uh, how you shot as a news photographer, and then might I add, shot very well at that. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, it did um, have a great effect on how I shot, and I think... Um, You know, you know, actually, I don't know how most people in, in news do it today, but, um, you know, back then, at least at Channel 2, there was a, there, they had actually made a division. They had, they had shooters and they had editors. And a lot of the shooters knew how to edit, but a lot of them also didn't, uh, didn't particularly care for that part of the job you know mm -hmm. and so they were they were anxious to have somebody else edit their film really uh, uh but there were there were also um shooters who um like that control all the way through you sure. know like to go out in the field and shoot and then come back and edit it just the way they envisioned it sure um and so when i became an editor <clears throat> it didn't take long i mean nanoseconds before the other shooters realized I had no clue what I was doing, you know? <laughs> so I had to learn quickly before I got fired, yeah. you know? Um, so well, I spent a lot goodness. of time, you know, yeah. working at it. Thank goodness that, I mean, hopefully some people said, here's how you do it here where's you know here, this is what a cutaway is this is what a wide shot is in my yeah, wide medium I, tight well, the friend who uh, got mm -hmm. me the job um his name was lee bach <clears throat> and he uh he had started as a film editor himself so he knew film editing really well 
So he spent a lot of time coming in <laughs> to my edit bench, uh, you know, several times a day and going, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, how's it looking? Here's, here's how you do this, you know, you know, watch for this. And, do, do. and so <clears throat> it was an intense school, you know, um, <clears throat> but, um, well, let me tell you this. I but, believe... you know, eventually I figured it out and eventually, uh, photographer, this was great for me because, you know, photographers actually started requesting that I edit their stuff. Sure. And that was like, okay, I've made it. Yeah. You know, if these guys want me to edit their stuff, then I'm I'm okay. So, <clears throat> well, um, no, we used to uh, back at KG, KGW. Uh, there was a union, and who could do what editing and shooting? But there was an exception, unwritten, that the sports guys would edit their own stuff uh, because because yeah. most editors didn't want to be worried about you know what the highlights looked like. Yeah. But, but that extended to editing our own stories. Uh, and I, I, I liked at that part of the process, but I, I do want to say that, that editing, learning how to edit and edit well, which people like you taught me how to do, um, uh, made me a better writer. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, knowing how shots would go together, uh, right. how, how words needed to help those shots go together. I, I, just, I just know for a fact that if, if I was ever a good writer, part of it was because I, I was taught how to edit by you guys. Yeah. Well, you know, I remember when you came to KGW, uh, you know, there, you know, photographers always say, you know, there are two kinds of reporters. There are reporters who listen to um, the shooters and their suggestions, and there are reporters that don't. And, uh, and of course, we like the ones who <laughs> listen to us, you know, <laughs> and you were one of those and you were one of those to the max, because you were really curious, and you wanted to know everything, you know, <laughs> and how we did it, or, or what do you think? How should we do this? You know, I mean, you would ask those kinds of things, because I think you knew that we'd been around the block a time or two and yeah. maybe knew something. Well, yeah. I, I know that every good story that I ever participated in, uh, and, you know, as a reporter and a writer of the story was, was good because of who I was working with. I mean, I know that all those good stories are because of, of you and Brian and Jim and Tim and you know, everybody who, who, you know, Kurt Austin. <clears throat> you know, I always said, I, I always said, you never really win on a story with Kurt. Uh, you, you just kind of stayed out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, the uh, KGW uh, during those years um, had an incredible uh, photography staff. I mean, they, you know, everybody was very, very good. There were no clinkers on that staff. Yeah. Um, so and I was that, just, I was appreciative, <clears throat> excuse me, especially as a young reporter, uh, how, uh, accepting and giving they were. Uh, very rarely did I get in a car, go out and shoot with a photographer that was, uh, you know, uh, uh, had a bad mood because they threw they, they threw me in the car with this rookie reporter, you know, this cub reporter. You know, he he came right out of college. He didn't he hasn't worked his way up through Eugene and Spokane and stuff like that. It was never that way. It was always very accepting and and positive and 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 in my case, a lot of teaching. And I really appreciated that. Yeah, you know. Um... You know, speaking of that sort of thing, um, again, I have to bring up my mentor, Lee Bach, who, <clears throat> when I when I finally became a, a shooter, uh, he said, okay, now you are basically a director. You know, in news, you go out, you're you're not only a shooter, you're a director. And, and he said, and, and he was a director, but he was a director in the studio. And he says, as a director, my most important job is to make people feel good. You know, so the people I'm working with. So the talent, you know, and in your case, you have the reporters or the producers, says you, your biggest job is to make them feel good because if they feel good, then they're gonna do a good job, mm -hmm. you know, and that's gonna reflect on you, you know, so. Um, well, and that applies also to the subject that you're working with in the news story is if you, 
I mean, there, you, you guys were always standing there with that big, intimidating piece of equipment and, you know, and lights yeah. and things like that. And right. automatically, that's making people uncomfortable. Yeah. And when you can put them at ease, which you were really good at, and you know, it's part of the reporter's job to do that as well, um, then you were going to get a, a better material to work with. Yeah. And in I one case, you know, I thought you were always good at uh, at using the shotgun microphone instead of taking the, you know, if you didn't need to, you know, let me clip this on and here's a stick mic and bust it. You were just kind of hiding over there to the side and you knew that that long little microphone was going to pick up what you needed and they yeah. never knew it happened. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. Yeah, there was, you know, and, and it's funny because I think, <clears throat> I think everybody back in those days did that. You know, I think all the photographers, I mean, you would know better than I, because I didn't work with the other photographers in the field. But, uh, but, I, but I assume from the way people talk that that's sort of the way everybody kind of worked. And I don't know how that happened because we never talked about it, you know. Well, my guess, <laughs> Bill, is, is, uh, is they learned it. They learned how great of a technique it was when they saw you do it. Or you know somebody else do it, and and you know then they figure out ah oh, yeah that's that's we're gonna get get better stuff. Or I know as a, I know as a reporter when I saw it work, you know I'd kind of hit you know to a photographer, let's not mic them up, let's just shotgun it, and and you know so you yeah. learn by watching other people do good stuff, and and yeah. that brings me to my next subject, uh, <laughs> okay. John Tuttle. Okay. Uh -huh. Uh, I, 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 I wish I had a better relationship with John because I wasn't there long enough before he, he left. And I was that little kind of squeaky sports reporter when he was there and stuff like that. But damn it, watching everything he did with you and other photographers uh, made all of us better. You know, yeah. uh, uh, you know, if, and I've said it many times, if you watch people do stuff well and then try to imitate it. So if I was any good, it's because I was around him a, enough to watch and learn. Yeah, yeah. He was, I mean, I, I learned a ton from him. Uh, and you know, what, what was interesting too is I didn't realize when I started at KGW, uh, you know, who, I didn't know that much about John. I knew kind of who he was, you know, uh, but I didn't know much about him or how he worked or, you know, how good he was or how intimidating he was, he was to a lot of people, you know. To me, he was just another guy, you know. <clears throat> and for some reason, the first one of the very first days I was on the job, I got teamed up with him, and we had a great time. Worked fine, and then everything worked out, and and it wasn't that long. And I, before I realized that not everybody got that treatment, I don't know how that happened with me, but uh, there were people that it took a long time before he would trust them. Oh, really? Know? Um, you know, and I, I remember him saying, you know, I don't want to work with that guy. Oh my God. Oh, no. And then he, some, something would happen and he would be forced to work with somebody and he'd come back and go, you know, they were actually pretty good, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, he, uh, there's so many things about him. I mean, one of the things that you, you'll remember John Tuttle. I, I think, well, maybe, maybe maybe he already had a computer by the time you got there. But for a long time, everybody had the IBM Selectric typewriters. You know, that was the standard yeah. of the industry, right? Yeah, yeah that's, that's what we had when I got there, yeah. Yeah, and um, he had an old manual royal, you know, and everybody, you know, yeah, <laughs> and everybody... Uh, if John, if it wasn't John Tuttle, everybody would make fun of him, you know, <laughs> but it was John Tuttle. And so everybody just was amused by it, you know, <laughs> but um, he, you know, I, I witnessed the very first uh, cut and paste, um, you know, what we, what we, which is what we all do in, uh, in our, with our computers now, you know, yeah. cutting and pasting documents. Well, he did it with the Royal you know, by, yeah, he would like, you know, just, he would just, there's like the stream of thought stuff, and then he would cut it all up, and he would pin it on the wall, and then he would <laughs> move it around, 
you know, and it was fun to watch him do that, you know, uh-huh. but, uh, and then pretty soon the computer came out and, the, and it was much easier to do, you yeah. know, um, <laughs> but when, uh, when computers first came out, the only computer in the newsroom was Melissa Early, you know, the, the executive assistant up front. Yeah. Yeah. She had that and, you know, she was doing work on that. And that was the only one in the in the in the building or in the newsroom. <clears throat> so John went out and bought his own and brought it in. Everybody else is still on typewriters. And John went from a Royal to a <laughs> IBM laptop to a computer. And everybody was like, what? <laughs> but you know, John also um I mean, he taught me a ton, but I remember, you know, I could go out with almost any reporter and on a story, shoot the thing, do the whole thing. And as we're driving back, I had this vision of what the story was going to look like and what the script was going to look like. And I would get, you know, uh, get the script and sure enough, there it is. It's this, you know, you know, I had all the shots, boop put it together it was great but with John I never knew what the script <laughs> was going to look like you know I'd come back and I would like wring my hands did I get shots that are going to cover what he's going to say mm-hmm. you know because it was always completely different I mean you would look at a story that all three or four stations, stations yeah uh, were doing um, you know, we all we all did the same story, and they all looked pretty much the same. And John Tuttle's version was like over here, <laughs> completely different, but it was very interesting. You know. So let and, me ask you uh, this about that, though, because you know the normal process is we get a story, we talk about it as we go, we shoot it, we talk about it, we come back, we talk about it, and then the the reporter looks at the video if you have time, obviously, uh, uh-huh. and then uh, and then shape the story in writing, and sometimes what I see that you got as a photographer changes. Oh, I'm going to write to that. Did, did right. John, did John do that watching of the video or was he writing independently of it? Yeah. I mean, no, you're right. And I loved it when reporters would look at the footage and especially if I had some shots that were kind of special or something that might be kind of interesting that they could, that, you know, you as a, a reporter to write to, you know, I thought that always made the story a little bit more interesting and a little better. John almost never looked at the footage. And even though we talked about the story all the way back to the station, he would deliver me a script and I would go in the edit room and I would just look at it and go, I don't have anything to cover this. And the thing that John did for me, he made me a really, I think a good editor because he, um, I remember one time I, I was just so frustrated. I went to him and I went, what am I gonna cover this with? I have none of this stuff, you know? And he just looked at me and he went, you'll figure it out. <laughs> and then he went back to, <laughs> and I was just like, you know, and and you know, it was stuff like that. I actually figured out how to, you know, do that sort of uh-huh. stuff. And, and and I sort of realized that at that time, I think that you could have stories, and maybe they're even better stories. I don't know. I haven't figured that out. But where you have the narration tell one story, uh, or at least one version of the story. And then you have the video telling another version of the story. They don't have to match. You don't have to see the duck cross the road and see the duck cross the road. You know, uh, it could be, you know, see the duck cross the road and then see a pond or something. You know, I don't know what, you know, but but you could tell, you could tell two separate stories. And that's sort of what I learned to do with John, you know, because sometimes I just didn't have anything that he was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, there are famous stories that you guys did together, the, the singing bridge, which you've posted on YouTube and people, you know, where the Hood River Bridge made certain noises depending on the speed and you guys uh, did what, happy birthday to, uh, to the... Uh, yeah, happy birthday in Old Man River and uh, now there, boat song. <laughs> there is a secret to, you know, 
the story was that the bridge made sounds and if you you went to a certain speed you could do certain things that i know the secret you told me the secret though you guys cheated a little bit yeah because <laughs> you didn't have you didn't have people at the right notes you had to you had to fudge the speed of the sound a little bit right 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 right, right. well what we did is we um well, first of all, we just went up there to do the story. And when we got there, the bridge was being, there was some maintenance thing on the bridge and they closed the bridge down and they would open it up 20 for 20 minutes an hour, you know? <laughs> so Wait, get your shots. <laughs> yeah, right. So we had to shoot this thing in 20 minutes, you know? <laughs> so um, we taped a, microphone to the wheel well of our car and then just drove across the bridge at a constant speed and then when we got back to the station I took that and transferred it to a uh, quarter inch audio tape and we had a, a tape recorder in the newsroom that was a variable speed tape recorder and so I um, would vary the speed and create all these different notes and record them separately yeah. and uh, put those all on videotape. And then I edited the songs together from these different notes. Yeah, that, that was, was labor intensive. <laughs> it was very labor intensive. Um, and especially at the time it was on three quarter inch tape and those machines were not that accurate. And yeah. when you're doing music, one frame makes a difference in the timing. Yeah. And so I, sometimes I would edit the same edit three or four times until it actually hit on the spot that I needed it to hit on. Right. But it, it took me about a week to edit that story. Yeah. Wow. But, uh, and yeah. then uh, uh, the other favorite I had was the, the log plume story. Oh, that was yeah. The log plume that was in the gorge that they used in a Lassie movie or something like that. Yeah. And they were going to take, I think, tear it down. So you guys went and made one last run on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It and was, the idea was that you guys were going to go, but they wouldn't let you, right? It was, a, yeah, right. It was actually a couple of years before they tore it down, but um, but yeah, it was that was uh, yeah. They wouldn't let us on, so but but they had a boat that would go in the in the flume. And so we got a, uh, you know, it was, it was back before underwater camera housings and all that stuff was popular. You know? And so we, you know, the only way we knew how to keep the camera safe was I bought a, uh, an aquarium, you know, and put the camera in the aquarium, you know, and wrapped it up with plastic and then uh, lashed it to this boat and sent the boat down the, the, um, the flume. It turned out pretty exciting, but yeah. uh, I just remember the, the, it didn't work. I mean, it, eventually it it fell apart. But I just remember John writing, and you know, this is the last uh, trip down this flume. This is the last time you'll see this, and this is the last time our camera will work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, I mean, he was like, uh, "Here's where we lose the audio, and here's where we lose the video, <laughs> and here's where we lose the camera altogether." <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> which is which is just treasure of writing because. Because you know, it would have been really easy to edit everything before the camera went away. But it's like, no, we're going to show everybody what happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, and then you went on to do uh, work with John with some pretty uh, uh, strong, just wonderful uh, documentaries at OPB over several years. There was the one on, um, uh, well, I think the title was I'm Really Going to Miss Me, right? Which was on... Uh, uh, the, the beginning yeah. stages of assisted suicide in Oregon. Yeah, actually, uh, well, so, you know, wait a minute. Uh, I think you're mixing up a couple of things. Here. Okay, that's entirely possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm really going to miss me uh, was produced by um, uh, Judy Peak uh, at OPB. Now, you're talking OPB, right? Right. So that wasn't John? No, no. Oh, as, as in fact, <clears throat> John had passed away just before I got to OPB. Okay. So I never got to work with John at OPB. So, so let's stop there for a second. And But what I do remember is you and I, when John uh, passed away, did his obituary. Uh, mm -hmm. And that, that meant a lot to me. I mean, 
uh, and you, you and I spent the day going through things and being able to tell, um, uh, you know, the, the world that we'd lost this great reporter and, and, and a little bit of his legacy. Uh, that was an honor to be able to do that with you. Um, uh, and that was just a, such a sad time that we lost him so, so early. Yeah. Uh, he had so much more, more work to do. Um, but I do remember something that you shared with me that John told you that was that, and then I've always remembered, uh, again, I didn't have a great relationship with him, but I, I, I got all this stuff through the rest of you people. Uh, and, and I didn't have a great relationship only because I was not in that department and, you know, it wasn't, he wasn't, uh, he just, I didn't interact with him very much, but he always told you uh, or us that um, we're not just doing the story for today's audience. We're doing the story for people who are going to see it years from now. Yes. Yeah. He had a strong uh, sense that as reporters and news people, you know, that we were, um, you know, our, our job isn't just for today's audience, but, um, you know, you, we're also historians, you know, um, in a way. Uh, and, and people, um, you know, years from now are gonna start digging through this stuff, trying to make sense of what happened back then. Um, uh, and we have to give them something that they'll understand. Right. You know, and yeah. with, with some background, you know, uh, so that, you know, so, so <clears throat> that they can make sense of, of how we live today or whatever. Because we had that great archive at KGW and all the stations had it. And it, since <clears throat> now it's been hopefully moved on to the Oregon Historical Society and things like that. But all of us would go through old stories, you know, that people had done 20 years before we got there. And it was like, oh, that was what was going on at that time. That's what the people looked like. And that's what was important to them. And, and that was important that John had that theory and passed on to the rest of us that the story we're doing, somebody's going to see that 25 years from now, either, you know, on a film archive or something. And it needs to be strong enough that it weathers the time. Yeah. Yeah, John, uh, more than any other reporter I worked with, uh, used that archive. Um, I mean, I, I think everybody used it to some degree because it was a great resource, but it was a lot of work also to go dig that stuff out of the archive and get it transferred. Yeah, you know, card catalog, use. film, film transfer, yeah. Right, yeah. But, but John uh, used that a lot. And also he used the Historical Society a lot. Mm -hmm. you know, I'll, I'll bet you we went down to the Historical Society at least once or twice a month um, yeah. for stories he was producing. Because well, he always value. wanted that sort of perspective. Yeah. You know, how did we get here? Mm -hmm. you know, why is this an issue today? You know? Well, A, that curiosity was always important. But B, just the institutional <laughs> knowledge. You know, when you had reporters or people like Jeff Douglas, who had been there for many, many years, and by the time I left, I'd been there for 22 years, uh, that knew, hey, you know, here's how we approached it back then. And, and here's the evidence of it, because it's on tape or it's on film. Um, yes. You know, sometimes people, you know, didn't like working with the old cranky people who had been there for a long time, but their knowledge uh, was, was valuable. And, you know, we had people like, you know, Al Herberholtz and, uh, and Hal, Al Lesser and uh, Pat Freeman, who had been with the station for the, they, they had that kind of institutional knowledge that could have input into, uh, you know, how we cover things today. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So then you went to OPB and you were doing documentaries, some really great ones. So now fill me in on, on, uh, I'm really going to miss me. <laughs> oh Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, I, um, when I left uh, Channel 8 and went to OPB, um, I, you know, I went to work in the documentary department at OPB, and, um, which I loved. I, you know, I, I've always liked documentary work, and, you know, KGW had a documentary um, department for a while, and I, uh, I got to work in that uh for a while and and really realized how much i love that long form work 
So I got to uh, OPB and the first first project I was put on was this, I'm really going to miss me. And I'm, and it was basically a documentary about um, people who are about to die and, and how they manage the, their last few weeks or months, you know, and, and, and just talking about them about the process of dying. Um, and we followed um, four or five different people. Um, but not, it was just about the time that I uh, was wrapping that project up, uh, my uh, supervisor came up to me and said, um, Milt, we have this project, it's a co-production with WGBH and I, I need to send you to Africa, you know? And I just went, what? <laughs> oh, okay. That's your passport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, and, you know, uh, you know, one thing that happened uh, is, uh, and, and I know you interviewed um, on this very podcast, uh, uh, Regan Ramsey, but Regan uh, left uh, KGW and he somehow found his way to OPB. And so when I got to OPB, he was there and my desk was right next to his. And when I worked at KGW, Regan was frightening to me. I mean, I, I told that to him during our interview. I told that to him to his face. So <laughs> you scared the living daylights out of me. I, I think I may have said that to him since as well but uh you know he was um yeah i i i just i i was afraid of the man and avoided him as much as i could when when i worked at kgw although he always gave me glowing reviews and said nice things about me and you know never yelled at me but i was just you know i i i don't know i just was afraid of the man and he, he was um, he was hard to understand <laughs> yeah <laughs> but when i got to opb and, I, and then his desk is right next to mine after a while i mean it didn't take long and i realized you know this guy's kind of fun you know <laughs> you know actually i kind of like this guy and so when when uh my supervisor or our supervisor then um uh, said i'm gonna send you to africa and I'm going to send you with Regan Ramsey, you know, and I, I, I went, oh boy, how's this going to work, you know, but Regan was a complete hoot <laughs> I'm to sure. travel with, oh yeah. my god, just, I mean, just, sometimes, I mean, he's, he, he has traveled a lot in his life, yeah. and so he knew the ropes, he knew everything, I felt very comfortable being with him in that respect but he also was like could be very irreverent or or inappropriate sometimes I, I thought you know but it always worked out and it was and it always made a great story I mean we were we went to um we were in Namibia and uh uh they they speak Afrikaans there and um uh to to say uh thank you very much you say uh uh you know donkey is is um thank you and baya is very much you know so thank you very much baya donkey is how they say say that and so he would walk down the street and go hey buy a donkey would you <laughs> <You know? laughs> and i just read it jesus but uh, yeah, he was he was fun to travel with, and uh, and you know I, you know I, I I totally lost my fear of him after a while. Yeah, well he, he was so much different when he wasn't your boss. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that was it. Uh, and you also uh, I know you did lots of stuff there, but didn't you do a documentary as you built a house? Oh yeah, that was actually no, that was uh, that was uh, after I left OPB. Oh, okay. And, 
went to a, a small a film company. So uh, did you did you finish the documentary? Did you finish the house? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we actually did both. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, yeah that was one of those things where um, uh, we were we were housed in this building um, owned by a, a guy in town um, who. Um, was a shooter and a you know a a, a producer video producer and was that Roger Thompson up... was that was that Roger Thompson no uh, no um, uh, <clears throat> Paul Ramsey okay Paul Ramsey and so um, Paul came up to me and said hey I understand you guys are going to be building a, a house and I said yeah and and he says I I hear it's going to be like a green you know sustainable house I said yeah well that's the plan. <laughs> and uh, he says, well, you know, I'm thinking about doing a documentary about that sort of thing and, you know, follow somebody building a greenhouse compared with somebody building a traditional house. And he says, would you mind being the subject of that? And I went, well, I don't know, I'll have to ask my wife, I guess, you know. And so I asked Chris and she said, well, I guess if they don't get in the way too much, you know. <laughs> and so... Um, uh, next thing I know, he's gone to my boss and said, hey, how about if we do a, a co-production on this? And she said, yeah, okay, let's, let's do that. Sounds fun, you know? So next thing I know, I'm not only the subject of it, but I'm working on the project, you know? And I thought, yeah, that just feels kind of greasy, you know? <laughs> but uh, after a while, it turned out I was not only uh, going to be the editor on it, then pretty soon I was like the co-producer on it, and then I was, um, I was shooting part of it. I was the director. <laughs> you know, it was like you know, and, and you're building a house, <laughs> and then I was writing it. You know, and I was like, and plus I was building a house, and so uh, uh, it actually ended up being okay. But uh, what I remember about it, Milt, was I mean, it building that house was not a uh, uh, an easy endeavor and you know money became part of uh, problems and it, it also became uh, you know a, a, some relationship with your wife issues I mean yeah, you guys did, did fine but it's like everybody who ever builds a house or does a remodel it's like you know sometimes that leads to relationship yeah. problems and you guys yeah, had to, yeah. you guys had to work through that a little bit too yeah, yeah. Here, you know here's the tutorial on how to do this but yeah it was uh yeah, it ended up, you know, at first it was going to be a, here's how, how sort of almost a how-to build a greenhouse, you know, the more technical aspects. And then after a while, I realized, you know, and I, and I as, as, as I was producing this thing, I realized, uh, you know, I have to step back and look at these people on the screen, which looked a lot like me, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and pretend like I didn't know who these people were, you know, you and your wife, <laughs> just, yeah. And just, you know, deal with this as if they're just like people, you know, subjects in a documentary, which they were, but um, I started realizing that the story about the people in here is actually much more interesting than the story about building this house. Bingo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so then, the, you know, the story actually got, you know, it, it starts out like building a house and then a priest turns into these people. You yeah. Know, the problems that and how they're dealing with it. Uh, <clears throat> let's get back to KGW real quick before, because I just wanted to go over some of the stories that you and I did together to see how much you remember the, about them. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I remember there were some good ones. Yeah, there were. Uh, <laughs> do you remember the big dictionary? Yes. Oh, I'm I, so I, glad. I think about that all the time. I'm so when glad I, you remember if, that. If somebody uh, mentions, uh, you know, the Oxford dictionary, I, I go, yeah, Carl Click and I did that one. <laughs> Mark, can you check this, please? Well, I can find one problem right away. You misspelled dictionary. Dictionary? Is that A-R-Y or E-R-Y? Look it up. If you are forced to use one of those dictionary things, you might as well use the biggest and best dictionary around. At the Portland Public Schools Professional Library, you'll find it, the Oxford English Dictionary, second edition. 
all 20 volumes. Oh, I, um, so the story was the school district had one of those Oxford English dictionaries and they were promoting it. It was brand new, the new edition, you know, and it's like a million volumes wide. And, and we basically yeah. did a story on, on, on overkill of the language. But the, again, it comes down to the people. The star of the story was that librarian who was so librarian yeah. in the way that she talked and she loved words and she yeah. was so enthusiastic. And she was just a superstar of that story. <laughs> See, in this, you, you can do a tremendous amount of building and exploring. And, of course, I think, well, I think one has to love words. Yeah, yeah, she was good. But, you know, you're, you, I, I thought your handling of that story was brilliant. <laughs> oh, you know? you. And, uh, and then start using... The dictionary to illustrate what your sentences were, you know, and it was, I, uh, it was good. With photographer Milt Ritter, Carl Click, News 8. Oh. Uh, anyhow, yeah, uh, that, was, that was a fun. Yeah, that was. I mean, I mean, you know, you know, you'll never see a story like that on news today. Never. I mean, that was an amazing story. Yeah, I remember. I, I think we did that in one day. Too. Oh, sure. Yeah, we did it. Yeah. Gosh, that was, yeah. And then Larry Shoup and I last week talked about riding the elevator and doing elevator etiquette. Oh, yeah. Where we rode the elevator in the big pink up and down yeah. for much yeah. of the day. And both of us were queasy when we finished. Yeah. <laughs> Just you talking. Know, I talk totally forgot about that story. That was good. Yeah. Are you riding up and down doing this all day? Yes, ma'am. And the first thing we discovered going up and down all day is that one must always face front in an elevator. Anyone who doesn't rocks the boat. Talking about, yeah, you know, yeah. how people uh, don't talk and they space themselves out and they look at yeah. the numbers. And, uh, I, that... you know, and, I, and, you know, I, again, I think about that every time I get in an elevator now. Mm -hmm. I think about that story and how, you know, and I think about how people stand in an yeah. elevator and what they do with their eyes <laughs> and, and and as you mentioned that we wouldn't see those stories on news anymore just just the fact that whomever was in charge the assignment desk or whatever the producer of the five o'clock you and i would say we're going to go to a story about it right in an elevator and then we left and they you know they didn't know what they were getting until it got on the air at you know 5 55 before yeah. <laughs> before tom broke well, out you know, there they, you know there was a, a lot of trust you know, the, I mean, those assignment editors and producers, you know, there was a lot of trust. They they put in the producers or the reporters and the, and the shooters uh, because, you know, they would assign something or, or like, like you say, we would come to them and say, hey, we want to do this story. And it's some whack thing, you know, like moon shoes, you know. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. What do you remember about moon shoes? I, you know, I, for some reason, I, I don't remember if that was how, how far that was into your career, but um, I remember approaching that story with some, you know, I mean, I was a little worried about it, you know, like, how oh. is it be? and then it just turned into this great, fun story that I went, Carl Click, man. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, Moon Shoes was a small little trampoline shoe you would put on and yeah. you could you could jump around. And it was uh, developed and sold by a small little toy company in Vancouver. Yes. And, and here's where I like, you know, we don't want to do advertisements for companies. And here's where I go, well, you're missing the boat here. You know, we don't want to give them free advertising. But it's yeah. like it's not a it's not advertising we're basically showing a phenomenon we're showing a trend anyway you know so people who had a problem with us going to companies and showing their products yeah. I, I says you know y y open your mind a little bit but but the idea was we were going to go over there do you know do the interview with the company get some shoes and then we we're going to take them to an a school where my mom taught and have kid have them kid test it yeah right but i put those shoes on and you and I popped around Vancouver and got these incredible reactions from people. Of, you know, here's a here's a, a an adult, maybe 30 years old, jumping around and stuff like that. That we realized we did no longer needed to kid test them. We had yeah. adult tested them. Yeah. <laughs>
These are for kids, but witness the attention they get from adults. Heads turn. Entire businesses empty. Hey, you need a, your sign repainted? <laughs> I, can, I can get the bottom. How much spring you get? That much? Let's see how much. As for the wearer of the shoes, it's a good workout and provides a different view of the world. Moon shoes. What do you think? My gosh, how about that? That looks like fun. <laughs> yeah. That, oh, that was fun. Yeah, that was. That oh. was a good... And you let you let me hold the camera and jump up and down yeah. with. <laughs> yeah. You know, I I had that story for a, a long time, and I was looking for it the other day, and. Uh, I don't know what happened to it, but I don't have that one. I do have the dictionary story, though. I think. Uh, do you have it posted on YouTube? No, I haven't. Oh. I, you know, and that, you know, that, that that's something maybe you know the answer to. But, you know, we we all have stories that we did, you know, sitting on our shelves, and you know, the formats are getting harder and harder to translate, you know. But. Um, because I have moon shoes. Moon shoes is one of the ones I have on YouTube. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, but but you know what 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 is the you know the rights situation? I mean, you know, KGW actually owns these things. Uh, sue uh, me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I I assume that they they actually kind of like it that yeah. these things are up there, uh, because it's you know their products and 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 they look good, you know, so. Uh, here's another one. Do you remember, uh, I, I call it the water commentary. Um, it's where California was, was promoting that they wanted to take water from the Northwest because they were in a drought. And we wrote a commentary where we, we, we made them a counteroffer. <laughs> and and the, the counteroffer was, we'll trade you some water for Magic Johnson of the Lakers <laughs> Wayne Gretzky of the of the LA Kings. Uh, we we want some you know big movie stars up here, and we want Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> so so it, I mean that in itself was okay. But do you remember how we presented it? I don't. <sighs> R remind me. You you put me in a rowboat. And I was I was in the Columbia River rowing and re and 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 dictating the entire two minute script <laughs> while I was rowing in the Columbia River. It's <laughs> thinking small though. We can really think big. How about we'll give California our waters for the Golden Gate Bridge? We have a lot of bridges here, but we could always find a place for it. Maybe the Queen Mary, Yosemite National Park, maybe Disneyland. I know that sounds greedy, but it's our water, and we'll leave the things that California needs to be California, like traffic jams, earthquakes, Venice Beach. We could use some sun from California. But then again, if we had sun, we wouldn't have as much rain, and we wouldn't have as much water in the river to exchange for Magic Johnson, the Golden Gate Bridge, and Disneyland. So California, you can keep the sun, but think about the other stuff. We'll be waiting. Oh man, that was great. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Gosh, you know, we did some really great stuff back then. I mean And then there was the then there was the self-cleaning house. Yes. Well that's a classic. And you you go on YouTube now and it's you know the views are in the millions, you know. Or maybe that was the uh, the eccentric woman who lived out in the Hillsborough area, who uh, was a, a, an engineer and an artist, yeah. and and she basically was building this house that would clean itself. Yes, when I get through with this baby, it's really going to work. Okay. For instance, when completed, the self-cleaning house will have a china cabinet that also washes dishes. It will have a clothes freshener. That's what Francis calls a washer dryer. This is all automatic, of course. Uh, the detergent stops when the bottle's empty. Mm -hmm. Then the water runs clear and rinses. Yep. Um, and she was building it over time. She never finished it. She was never going yeah. to finish it. <laughs> yeah. 
but yeah, but and while we were there, she showed off Francis the game, Francis Gabe. Yep, you're right. That's your name. And while we were there, she showed off how the kitchen was going to clean itself. You know, yeah. everything, everything locked up, and she turned on the water, <laughs> and it broke. <laughs> I know. Today, Francis gave us a demonstration, but first she had to fix a pipe fitting that broke. Then she gave us the demonstration. Eureka! Nuts! Trouble with that same pipe fitting again. And we kind of helped out with a little strapping tape. And then finally, the demonstration of the self-cleaning kitchen in the self-cleaning house. That's good enough. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, it's, you know, and it's, it's, uh, you know, she's sort of the same as that librarian in the dictionary story. I mean, they are just so earnest and so into what they're doing and have no idea how entertaining that is, yeah. with, you know, when presented, you know, and, you know, and a lot of that is thanks to you, you know, for how you presented that, you know, with, 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 with this straightforward honesty, but you, it's just like, they, they just become so entertaining, you know? Well, I, 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 Regan Ramsey brought that up when we talked a, a month or so ago about that story and what he, he, he said about it, which, you know, touched me was that, that we didn't, uh, we didn't embarrass her. You know, we didn't, uh, we didn't make fun of her. Right, we just, right. we just, no, we didn't. And, and to be honest, I, I mean, while we were presenting it, that wasn't part of my process. Uh, it, it just, I mean, it just came naturally the presentation. I'm, I'm happy that somebody watched the story and then was, uh, was moved by the fact that we, uh, we, we didn't make fun of her. We just presented it and let it, let it go by itself. Uh, I, I can't, I can't say that I did that with purpose, but I'm glad that I did it accidentally or however, I mean, yeah, you, you yeah. never, you never wanted to make fun of people like that. Right. right. Uh, those, those wonderful people you find on stories. Yeah. I mean, I think some of that happens, uh, you know, you know, when, when we get back to the station, I mean, we, we're out there shooting, documenting all of this stuff and asking the questions. And, and then you, it's not until you get back and you sit in your chair and you think about it, how the stuff goes together and how entertaining it can be, you know, in, in, you know, in addition to being um, informational, you know, uh, you know, it, it can be very entertaining as well. And, and uh, you know, working with people like you, who that part of the job comes naturally, I think. I, you know, I think almost everything you did had a bit of entertainment in it, you know, a little, little bit of whimsy, but, but not whack, you know? Uh, uh, well, there's a, the, the value in that is that uh, in, as, as a TV news station, we are part of this community and we're taking a little bit of time out of telling you about the government and, and all the other things that we need to tell you about to tell you about the place that you live so that uh -huh. you, can, you can understand it better and, and feel better about it. Uh, and I, I hope that's still going on today. I, I, I would never wanna be in a newsroom where that wasn't going on. Um, I, those are the stories that I loved the most Mm -hmm. you know, we, we, we all had to do the other stories, but yeah, they, that's we, I felt we, closest we, to the community. We call them human interest stories, you know, uh, and, and, you know, uh, there was also this thing, which I don't think exists anymore, uh, where uh, you always wanted to end the broadcast with, you know, a, a kicker that made you feel good, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's where we, we put these stories, you know, and it was these human interest uh, things yeah. your stories about your community, but also sometimes they were just downright funny, you know, <laughs> or fun. Yeah, well, unfortunately, that gave way to uh, some consultant figuring out that we need to tell you in these last minutes what we're going to do next, so you'll come back and watch us. <clears throat> right. Which, right. which you know, mathematically that uh, that makes sense, but it, what it doesn't do is it doesn't give a it doesn't give a cap to this one hour newscast you just gave that in itself has a beginning and a middle and an end uh, to make yeah. people, okay, well, okay, that was my day. Uh, and that has changed. 
Yeah. That's why you and I are doing Zoom calls in front of all our books. Not books. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right. That was the good old days. Mm -hmm. But but you know, uh, also one thing that uh, KGW did, and I don't know if other stations did this, but um, every Friday, you know, they would have uh, a photographer on a rotating basis be in charge of doing some sort of video for the credits to run the credits over and so uh the photographers use that as a way to be creative do something that they wanted to do creatively and uh, do something fun you know and uh and just do something that they wanted to do a little video essay yeah uh, and, and, and give then and then give credit to the people behind the scenes that you did not see who were working hard on the newscast yeah, yeah. uh that that went away because somebody figured out that that wasn't making them money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <clears throat> that was some valuable yeah. ad time. So, uh, well, Milt, this has been a blast. Uh, yeah, gosh, very that, fun, and I I think this is really a uh, a cool thing you're doing. I had no idea it was happening, and then when when you mentioned, I you know I I perused a few of them, and they're really good. Thank you. you. Know, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm gonna become a, a big fan of your uh, well, if they're I'm really happy that they might be good but I, I just it's so so much fun to reconnect with people that were so important in our lives uh, and uh, you know you're the first photographer that I've done this with uh, I hope to do it with with many others uh, just because you're so much a part of what we did uh, and and you know without being too gushy you taught me so much about how to tell stories on TV, as you did with many people that I'm in, I'm indebted to you and for that and for your friendship over the years. So um, I'm glad that we can use today's modern technology to, to hook up and share, share stories again. Yeah, 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 very fun. Thanks, Carl, it was a blast. Okay.